Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. Hi, Randy. Great to have you with us today. How are you doing? Morning, Jonathan. Hi, Jeff. Morning, Randy. Randy, always great getting with you and sharing exactly how we can kind of work off each other to figure out the next the next great thing for nature's experts and just talking business in general. All right. So it's always my pleasure. You know, we have uh, a lot of years of history together and uh, whether we're talking business or nature's experts or the Florida business landscape, they're always great conversations. Well, with you talking businesses, it takes on a little bit more of a, a meaning because it's actual business because you have been involved, uh, either represented us uh, or you have been a consultant for every transaction that we have purchased or sold. So that's why it's so great to actually talk business with you, Randy. Well, uh, we do have a history together and it's been a great one, uh, Jeff. And together we have identified some really good target opportunities, some good add-on acquisitions. And it's been my pleasure watching you guys build uh, uh, an amazing, amazing South Florida company. I hope you're not finished yet either, because, you know, I'm not ready to retire. (laughs) We're certainly on this roller coaster together. So Randy, we know a lot about you, but why don't you tell everybody exactly what you do and what led you into becoming a business broker, actually? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm happy to do that. I, uh, I am a licensed business broker uh, based here in South Florida. I'm also a general partner and senior agent with Transworld Business Advisors. Uh, Transworld is the world's largest business brokerage firm uh, based in Fort Lauderdale. We're a 45-year-old company with offices in in key North American and international markets uh, uh, everywhere, 230-something offices. Wow. But I like to tell people I didn't grow up playing on the school grounds, telling my friends that uh, one day I'd grow up to become a business broker. For most business brokers, particularly successful ones, it's a second career. Most of us have entrepreneurial experience, and thus is the same with me, I I moved to Florida 40 plus years ago and started a, a service business and built it up. And about 25 years ago, as a, as a relatively young guy, I had the fortune of selling it to a, 
to a large company, a public company. So that was my sort of foray into running and building and ultimately selling a business. What a great transition. You were in the transportation industry. This is before Uber and all that stuff. And you really did exit the same time. You certainly could have gone maybe a little bit longer, but you really definitely exited the market at the right time. Timing is everything. The timing really is everything. I wish I could say that I I could foreshadow that disruption in in the transportation (laughs) bus market. It was just luck. We were approached at the right time and uh, I exited and, and spent another year working with this large national company and then was approached by Transworld and asked to join, which at that time was a was a nine person organization. Today we're eleven hundred people, including administration and talk about growth. It's a big company. I wish I I could take the credit for it, but I've been along for the ride. And obviously, our CEO Andy Cagnetta, you guys know very very well, is yes. is a very talented and very respected builder of a business like Transworld. So. Been a lot of fun. I think this is an interesting time. We should actually tell a little story about Randy and how we first met him and how he reacts and how most people should react. You want to tell him, Jeff? Sure. So you were called. You were called to come see us. I got the calling. That's right. You were called to come see us. And literally within, was it 15 minutes? I think it was 15 minutes. It may have been more like 13. <laughs> I think he was up. given 15 minutes and then he actually arrived before that. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. He was given. I said, no, you got to come down right now. I said, you mean this afternoon? No, right now. All right. So this is probably eight or nine years ago. We actually owned a franchise. It was a restaurant actually. And at this restaurant, we took it over because my brother, Jeff, it was the landlord of the property. And we took it over because right. we're like, oh, our business is right next door. We should take over this restaurant. You know, it'd be such a great idea. It's so easy. It's right next door. It's a franchise. They have a model. They have a plan. Yeah. They have a It formula. runs itself. It runs itself. Yeah, exactly. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Well, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't it, run itself. It didn't at all. Yeah. So after a lot of work, after a lot of headache, after a lot of stress, so on and so forth, we made the decision that we need to move into another direction. So we called the local business broker. Luckily, we got connected with Randy. The conversation, I think, was uh, Chuck called Transworld. Randy Ant called him back. He explained how, how urgent it was that he gets down here immediately, that we're looking to sell now, and you need to be here in 15 minutes. So Randy left the Fort Lauderdale office, drove to come see us, and um, you know that kind of service and passion really has kind of extended into the relationship at every point, along yeah. with all of the great expert knowledge that you have, Randy. I think that your your willingness to just make make deals happen, connect people and perform is really exceptional that I think that that little story or whatever I thought would be interesting for everyone to hear, because that's really how business should be transacted like that. When you get a real lead buyer, um, you need to jump. Exactly. He did. So, I remember the day very, very well. And, and yes, that was the first day of, uh, of what has developed into a, a very meaningful and a very good relationship. And uh, thank God your, your restaurant days are behind you because you guys are a lot better in, uh, in what you really do for a living. It's been a fun ride with you. And, and we certainly hope that there's many years of, of continuing to look at, at opportunities with you. 
we've had some some interesting deal experiences along the way, the three of us. So. Yes, to say the least. Definitely is interesting as we've gone through these different transactions, we can we can touch on this in a little bit. Is that how you really can start to read buyers and sellers? And it's actually a little bit easier to understand what you should do and what you shouldn't do through experience, which is why I think it's so important to have a business broker to make sure they actually do connect you to the right business. It's it's easy to look at the numbers and say, oh, this business grosses this, it makes this. We should definitely buy it. It makes sense based upon the numbers. But there's so many other things as far as that go into it that are really important with how it connects to your company, how that owner specifically operated compared to how you're going to operate. And really, Randy specifically has a real good knack for understanding where we can be interjected into a company to really add that rocket fuel to it. Well, thank you for that. Uh, but it, it really is a team effort. The dynamics of certainly the three of us working together, sometimes perhaps maybe I'll identify the opportunity. Uh, we'll take a close look at that business and uh, the three of us will share uh, what are the possible synergies between the companies that you own now and this potential acquisition target. Uh, the good, the bad, the otherwise, and ultimately, it's your decision whether or not we move forward. Of course, I'm giving my opinion to you yeah. uh, as we look at the characteristics of all of these companies. And and look, with the acquisitions, the purchases that you guys have made, we've looked at many, many more. Yeah, uh, I, ha- I have something I'd like to uh, interject to ask you sure. on that note, is that when you sell us a business, and really when you sell any of your clients a business, do you get feedback uh, the majority of the time that the business is what it appeared to be? And before you answer that question, I would like to make a comment that none of the businesses that we have purchased are appeared, they're not what they appeared to be. And that doesn't mean that uh, there's anything that was done incorrectly, of course, for the transaction. I think it's important for people to know that are buying a business that it is very important that you have someone like Randy identify the business, explain all the ins and outs, like John was saying that you do, and go through the whole procedure with you. But then once you purchase the business, usually things are not exactly what they appear to be. And I think that has been very true for us with the businesses that we've bought. You you have an idea of what you think it's going to be like and uh, who all the players are in that business and how the business runs and everything. And it's, it's usually slightly different, or in some cases, we've experienced it being very different. Is that a normal expectation, Randy? Well, you've said a a couple of important things here, Jeff. First, with your first question, yes, I usually do get feedback if I'm working with a buyer of a business and we we go through due diligence and we, we close on the business. I generally get some feedback. How's it going? Are there any issues? Uh, is there good? Is there bad? Uh, does this business sort of line up with what we looked at before you actually purchased the business? In most cases, that is true. You know, if you're a buyer of a business, you're really one of two types of buyers. You're either buying yourself a job, you are one person, you are typically unemployed or you've just exited from, from a corporate world and you buy a business to literally buy a seat to go to every single day and operate that business. Mm-hmm. 
The other types of buyers are strategic acquirers, and that better defines you guys. Uh, you are looking to build to the base of uh, operations that you've already created, and you're sort of layering on, you're adding company dynamic to that which you already own. Uh, as a team, our job is to do with you as much due diligence as we can on the business, as much as certainly the seller will allow us. Most sellers aren't going to allow us to sort of move in and test drive the business, right. and the culture and the environment. But we can take a pretty, pretty close look at, at that business, certainly financially, operationally. And are there surprises after closing? Very often there is. Yeah. Um, sometimes Very they're good often, surprises. You would say, Randy, huh? Look, I mean, I think it's impossible. Um, you know, the only exception might be if, if a buyer of the business, sometimes I'm doing a deal right now where the buyer is uh, one of the key employees of the business. And so he's been in the business 15 years. He's a young guy. He knows the company as well as the seller, the owner knows the business. So in that case, probably not any. Yeah, that's probably the most ideal buyer you could have. Right. But in the real world, uh, our job is to uncover as much as we possibly can and and then address any of those those concerns. Sometimes the surprises are good surprises. Sometimes we find employees that were sort of under the the uh, the rug we really weren't aware of. And they turn out to be once we buy the business to be, you know, kind of minor superstars. Yeah. You know, I found, Randy, that, you know, through purchasing businesses and understanding the way other people run businesses, not ours, it's really more about what you as a person can specifically bring to the table to advance another company. So it's strategic, even if it's your first business, what kind of skills do you personally offer that these skills can be translated into any other business that you can thrive in? I mean, you as the buyer? Yeah. So if you're, if it's us buying something strategically, I have something to offer. You have something to offer that with a reasonable amount of opportunity will equal success. If someone is looking specifically to just buy a business, if you're somebody that's geared towards marketing and you're really good at marketing, but they have good customers, but they have no marketing, that would possibly be a good fit because whatever difference that the company might lack, you're going to overcome with your ability that you might actually have. Same if you're a salesperson and the company has great marketing, but the owner's a little flat, you're going to be able to add more sales than whatever might actually been the, the negative side of you know when you actually get under the hood, so to speak. Oh, I think you summarized it perfectly, Jonathan. Most of the buyers that I do business with are not really looking for a job. They're looking for an opportunity. They want to take a, a business that is of a good, sound model, uh, has a, a, a general good structure to it, and they want to inject their background, their strengths into that business and take an existing business and take it to the next level. You mentioned marketing, you mentioned uh, sales. Um, some of our buyers are really good at, at human resources. They're good at recruiting new employees where the seller has had a difficult time in keeping staff. And that may be that buyer's strength. Uh, but you summarized it perfectly, perfectly well. That's exactly what, what our buyers want to do. They want to bring their strengths yeah. to a business. 
It makes me think, have you ever actually told someone not to buy a business? So I'm thinking to myself right now as we're talking, and I'm like thinking to myself, if you really don't have an operational ability or a marketing ability or a sales ability, <clears throat> what can you add? It's almost like you really shouldn't be recommending someone to buy a business if you don't have one of these particular skills, because you're really not setting yourself up for success and you're really not ready to be a business owner yet. So have you ever actually told somebody that they're really not ready to be buying a business? Well, when you started to ask that question, what I thought you were asking was, have you, Randy, ever told or advised somebody not to buy a particular business? Right, right. Correct. And the answer to that is absolutely yes. I mean, yeah. we've had that conversation where I've told you guys, uh, we're looking at something right now. It's it's probably not a really good fit. So as as business advisors, we do that quite frequently. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's your responsibility. Maybe that's part of the reason that it's not you know, called Transworld Business Brokers and it's business advisors. Yeah, so we, look, I mean, most of us are entrepreneurs. Most of us have a business background. If I don't like the business, and, and yeah. that doesn't mean that, I mean, if I'm not, I'm going to talk somebody out of uh, buying a business uh, just because I, I don't happen to like the baking business. But if the fundamentals of the business are not there, then, uh, of course, I'm going to advise my client as a as an experienced uh, business advisor. Here are the issues with this business. But what I think Jonathan was asking was, have I worked with a buyer where we've perhaps looked at some businesses, and I realized that maybe that buyer is just doesn't have the skill set, right? Doesn't bring enough value. Uh, to the particular business? And the answer is yes, I think that situation has happened. Um, there are some businesses, and, and you know, a franchise is a perfect example where a buyer who typically does not necessarily have an entrepreneurial background, but wants to be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. We can we can team them up with right. either a new franchise or an existing franchise. It doesn't matter whether it's a restaurant, a service business, a cleaning company. I mean that that really is the uh, basis of franchises. That's franchising one hundred and one. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And so we can do that. Um, and sometimes that's the way to overcome uh, some perceived uh, lack of of initial skills in in a buyer. How do you typically get leads, Randy? Just out of curiosity, like do you get the sellers or buyers? In? Huh? Sellers or buyers? Either. Well, first of all, my my practice and that of most successful business brokers, business advisors is somewhat weighted to the seller side. So while I do work with buyers, it is a hand-picked group of buyers. I'm very happy that obviously you're you're part of that group oh, uh, who have demonstrated okay. to me uh, they're very focused, they have an idea, they have a time frame, and they're committed to buying a business. They're generally referred to me both on buyer or seller side uh, by professionals in the industry, right? Attorneys, CPAs, right? Financial planners, banks. Um, I'm selling businesses almost 25 years professionally. So a big part of my business are resales. I sold somebody a business 20 years ago, and here they are back. 
uh, ready to exit. That really makes a lot of sense about the buyer side because you know it's a really in-depth, time-consuming process to go through. It is not something to. It's not like a, you're looking at a house and you go and you meet someone there and you walk through for 15 minutes and you're done. This is a process that takes months and months to complete sometimes where you really have to know that you're dealing with a qualified buyer and it's not something to be taken lightly on either side. You have someone who is you know, in the need of selling their business for whatever reason and it is to be taken seriously and their books and records and their operations are you know, it's sometimes proprietary to them and to their industry that it's not something that they just want to open up to anybody. And I think that's an interesting thing that, you know, knowing that going to Transworld, that's how it's people are vetted, that when you get a buyer coming from Transworld, they are someone who is a serious, serious buyer. They're not just trying to solicit people, it sounds like, to be interested in buyers. They're looking for qualified buyers that are already within their network. Well, spoken from a man who sounds like he's been through the process one or two or 20 or 30 times. Uh, of course, all the points that you make, Jonathan, are absolutely accurate. Look, I mean, ours is a real estate model. Sellers engage us. They, they sign an agreement to sell their business. Buyers uh, haven't met too many buyers that have to, have to buy a business. And so uh, we have to work with buyers that are committed to buy a business. If we what? just start introducing buyers to sellers, whether they're my sellers or any other broker sellers anywhere in, in the state, just to occupy time, just to go through the exercise and have the buyer who is not qualified either professionally or financially to look at that business, uh, the seller is going to get upset and rightfully so. So you were we like with buyers. I work with buyers very regularly, all the time, my buyers, but they have a pretty good idea of what they're looking to buy. It doesn't necessarily mean the type of business. They know their time frame. Do a lot of them know what they expect to net? You know, do a lot of them have an idea say, I want to make X each year? If they don't, it's certainly a question that I ask. Yeah. Uh, that's an excellent question, Jeff. I mean, I asked them, what type of income do we have to replace here? You formerly yeah. had a job or you formerly worked for somebody, uh, you know, let's understand here. It doesn't make sense if your lifestyle requires 200000 a year for us to be looking at businesses that throw off $80,000 a year. <laughs> right. Especially because usually getting that 80000 is not one year away. It's usually a couple of years away until you can really start making that money. So you really have to you know, really understand that when you buy a business, it's not transactional where you take the keys and then next month you start making, you know, that income you think that's replaced. It's a, it's a process. There's money that has to be invested into the business. There's time that has to go through. If there's debt service, that's to be debt service. Off. Absolutely you, correct. You know, from what you've paid for the business, what it nets, you have to take that off of the net. There's so many different factors. You're right. John. All of those have to be looked at if yeah. you're buying you likened this, I was going to say a few minutes ago when I, I was interrupting you, um, you likened it to the real estate business. Another thing about it is it's you're paid in 100% commission. So you could be working on a deal for a substantial amount of time and nothing happens and you get zero money for the time that you've spent, no matter how, you know, how many hours you put into it. You're right. We work the traditional model. It's 100% contingency. 
when we are hired by a seller to sell a business, we see it as an investment on from our side. We are going to invest a lot of time and, and a fair amount of money to get that business packaged up to market. If we don't see that there's a strong likelihood that we're going to get a return on our investment by selling mm-hmm. the business, we'll right. walk away from the business. And frankly, it's the same thing with the buyer. If I get signs from a buyer that, ah, you know, I'll look at a business, but look, we get phone calls all the time. We're here in Florida from people in the north. We get what's known as the winter syndrome. The first snowfall, we get phone calls from guys in New York City, Long Island, and New Jersey. And, you know, oh, I got to move. I, I, I got to buy a business in South Florida. But when we ask them some basic questions, What's your time frame? Do you have kids in school? Will you take them out of school to move to Florida? Do you have to sell a house? When we get all those answers that suggest that they're one to four years away from buying a business down here, uh, there's not a lot that I can do other than to uh, put them on my computer and keep in touch with them, which we do. Yeah. Randy, I think this brings me to, I was going to ask you another question, but I think we kind of answered it, but I want to get a little bit more in detail with it, is that, you know, what are the benefits of using a business broker? So I want to kind of add what I'm thinking as far as what it is, but I'd like to get your opinion also too. So using a business broker to sell your business, because they're 100% commission, they are 100% invested into making sure they do the right thing by you and find the right people the entire network is really revolved around not wasting anyone's time because your time is valuable. I don't agree with you. I think that the person is invested in, if it's someone who has the right character, then yes, they are there to make sure that they match the right buyer for the right business. But I think we've also seen, I will remind you, people that I think want to try to push or sell a business or kind of misrepresented in a way, and they just want the commission and will almost say anything or leave out specific answers or try to get to the signing table and the closing table, but they actually just want the commission. So I think it's really important to find the business broker that has the character that you can tell who really is looking out for your best interest. How do you do that? I think you're onto something of how do you do that? And yet, still make sure that you're buying the right business. I mean, well, there's, I think two that's thing, a, there's two separate things here. One of them is the financials and that's actually the integrity of the broker and the business seller. And then the other component is actually the network of business brokers in general. So whether or not the information is true and accurate doesn't have to do with the fact of business brokers ensuring that they're working together to make sure that they're not wasting each other's time because it's 100% commission. They're not going to call. Randy's not going to take a call from you or I if we have had him look at 30 different businesses. He's going to say, these guys are not vetted anymore. You know what I mean? They're literally wasting my time. I've showed them 30 different businesses. We've met 30 different times. These are not serious people. So I think that that's really the the point that I was really getting to. The financial side, I think, is something that you have to be very, very, very smart and mindful of. But as far as understanding how to connect people that are serious in selling and buying to where you actually have reasonable parties on both sides or whatever, I think that's one of the benefits of using a business broker to sell your business. So Randy, what, what is your thought on that? Well, a lot out there. 
you know, a couple minutes ago, I did uh, make a reference to the to the real estate industry. And so if we look particularly here in Florida, where business brokers are licensed as as uh, as real estate agents and real estate brokers, if we look at, at the whole pie of real estate, we have a big, big section of residential sales. It accounts for, for billions of dollars of, of uh, transactional value over the course of the year. We have a very, very large section of commercial transactions, everything from small apartment buildings, shopping centers, vacant commercial pieces of land. And then taking that pie as a whole, there's this tiny little slice which is defined as business broker sales, the sale of of ongoing businesses. What we have in common with commercial and residential is that most of us work on on strike commission. We work on on 100% contingency. The difference is that the world of selling a business, whether I'm working with a buyer to identify a good business to buy, or packaging up a seller and taking them to market, it is vastly more complicated with a lot more moving parts. If a client has uh, hired me to sell their business, it may be weeks and weeks before I actually launch and go to market. I know from my experience, all the information I need to collect from that seller because I can anticipate all the questions that the buyers are going to ask about that seller. And I'll give you one perfectly good example. Experienced business brokers know when they bring a, a, a client to market, let's say they're, they're in the service business. Mm-hmm. The question that I might ask that I know a buyer is going to ask me is they're going to ask me about the breakdown of the customers. Is there one customer that's a very high percentage representing a concentration of the seller's overall business. Now, there are some business brokers that won't ask that question, but of course I have to ask that. And I need to know the answer among 300 other questions that have to be answered because looking down the road, a buyer is going to want a the answer to a very, very important question like that. You're saying it's a much more laborious process it is. Through compared to a real estate agent or real real estate broker. It, it, it's just a different process. I'm not taking anything away from sure, of course not. My brothers and sisters in the commercial and residential. And yeah. frankly, if you ask me, even though I'm licensed to, if you ask me to sell your house in in Boca Raton, Florida, I wouldn't know where to. I wouldn't know where to start. Wouldn't know. Well, you got to call. Person. You got to call Evan if you want to do that. And, and he is absolutely. He is absolutely my my go-to residential guy. But same thing with commercial. I mean, we sell real estate all the time. I'm in the middle of a, a sale now, but it's real estate that's added on right. to business. So it's almost it's almost an afterthought. Florida is a unique state when it comes to the model with which business brokers operate in. It's unique because we're the only state with a statewide business broker MLS system, a multiple listing system. Oh, I didn't know that. Florida's the only one. They have some markets within some states, the Virginias and Tennessee and Texas and California. Uh But we're the only state with a statewide MLS system. 
you are a member of the State Business Broker Association, you automatically have access to this pool of sellers and buyers. Uh, and it operates in a very similar model as perhaps the residential does. If I'm working with you as a buyer, and you say to me, hey, Randy, I want to buy a pool route um, in Broward County, Florida. I can go into that well of businesses in the MLS and I can see what's there and I can come in representing you, working with you, and we can buy that business. That really seems like a benefit to people that live in South Florida, really to have access to all of the businesses and let, instead of it being more of an exclusive market that's kind of held by the business brokers. It's really more of a transactional open market to really be able to search, explore, and see all of the opportunities versus you know the ones that Transworld might actually have listed for sale. Kind of thing, you're a thousand percent correct. We compare our markets with, for example, the state of New York. Um, there is no such MLS. You don't even have to be, New York is one of those states where to sell a business, to work with a buyer or, or bring a business to market, you don't even need a license in real estate. Wow, I, I had no idea. It, it, it's unbelievable to me. Huh. Um, and there are other states, many other states where they are many, many, many years behind in many- Not regulated ways. at all. It What's almost that? is irresponsible. I said not regulated at all. There's a dozen non-licensed states. Wow. Florida, we're very lucky in Florida. It is the most progressive state when it comes to the buying and the selling of a business, whether in terms of licensing or the number of businesses. That's why we sell more businesses in Florida than any other state. Anywhere. What an uncomfortable process for a buyer and a seller to know that you're not supported by a professional and there's no training and there's no process and there's no roadmap that has to be followed to ensure you're taken care of. Couldn't have said it better myself. One of my roles with the, the International Business Broker Association, which I'm, I have the honor of currently being the president and the chairman of, of the board, is providing that education nationally, but with a focus on those markets where they're not licensed and they don't have a strong state association. I'm not going to call out any particular states. I've already referenced New York, but there's plenty of markets like that where we obviously want to uh, lift the, the, the level of professionalism yeah. and continue to do so in the business broker industry. And we've seen some incredible results. Sounds like some of those states really are setting up business owners possibly to fail you know, having that lack of process actually. So what do you think is one of the main reasons that business owners do fail and do have success in your opinion? Well, when we speak of business owners, are we talking in general business owners or people that have bought a business and then are not successful? Like serial business buyers or people that are buying the first business that they purchased? I think let's talk on the people that are going to be selling their business. And what are what are the reasons people actually fail to never get to the point of creating a successful asset to sell at one point and the uh, people that why they are successful. And then they eventually at some point either, you know, give it to their family or they um, do have a lot, do have whatever amount of success they're looking for to sell their business because a business is an asset and it's not just a job. And the thing is at the end of the day, 
your investment should be worth something. So what's the reason you think that both of those different situations happen? It's a great question. A business will not sell if it lacks transferability. If it cannot transfer from the owner to a buyer and transfer completely intact, meaning if the the seller is making X amount of dollars a year, if that cannot transfer to a buyer for any one of a hundred reasons, very, very difficult to sell. At the top of that list is a business that will call a business is so embedded with the seller's DNA. A one-man show. A a one-man show or a business that may have some employees, but the owner of the business has not delegated anything to them. Yeah, I think it's important to say to people that the one-man show doesn't just mean one person works there. Right. Right. Exactly right. Those types of businesses are typically much, much harder to sell because a lot of the what makes the business successful is in the mind of the seller. Um, and we haven't figured out a way to literally you know, put a patch cord between the buyer yeah, yeah. and the seller and download that information. <laughs> yeah, Businesses are saleable because they have common value-driving characteristics. There are good things about that business that make it saleable. Certainly a depth in employees and management. Businesses don't sell if they're not profitable. If the seller has a story and excuse why they were in the red and didn't make any money in 17, and then in 18, here's another excuse, and in 19, another excuse. In 20, it was COVID. In 21, we lost our employees. Buyers don't like excuses. Oh, of course. Businesses with all the negative things that could turn a buyer off. Um, You might have one or two customers. You may do $2 million a year, but you've got one customer that's a million more of that revenue. Um, Very, very difficult for a buyer to assume that, that risk. It's easy for the seller to assume it, but the buyer is being asked to pay a lot of money. Anyone interested in selling their business really needs to get involved before they're actually ready. They can understand exactly what's needed to really actually sell their business to be worth something. You know, it's it's fine as long as you know what your expectations are. If you're somebody who is like, I want to be a one man show, I want to make every single penny I can till the end, and then I'll sell it at a discount. You know, you need to know what you're doing in business. You don't just wake up one morning, say you want to sell your business, think that it's worth something and miraculously it sells. I think more more often than not, we've seen all these sellers considering some of the businesses that we've bought where they feel that the business is worth something just because they've had an emotional tie to it for so long and they've spent so much time working it and they think this and they think that. But the truth is it isn't worth actually what uh, they thought it was. And that's why sometimes we have had Randy go in on stuff that we've had him be a consultant with so that he can actually explain not only your business is worth this because it nets this, but also your business in this particular industry. This is what they've traded for. This is the multiple that's paid. Like A lot of these people that have these businesses really don't have a realistic idea of any of this. And Randy has really played a key role in making sure that they understand that. 
that really connects well with you know? why you use a business broker to sell your Because I don't know that you and I could have convinced that person. They would have just thought that we were trying to say, oh, we wanted it to fit into what our narrative was. But he actually is someone who comes from the largest company that sells businesses in the world, right? Not just in the country. Uh, he also is someone that's done it for years. He has lots of data to show them. I think you kind of have to have had that in order for these transactions to have happened. I agree. That's. I think that really is a key thing of why the benefit of using a business broker. You pay a fee for that, of course. To really kind of almost play that good cop, bad cop, where you both, you know, Randy, our business broker and us can be on the same page, but we don't need to, we're looking to negotiate. We're not looking to be the ones constantly throwing negative information right. into the buyer's right. mind, right. thinking that we're trying to get a discount. We're trying to get away with something. You know, Randy as the professional and business brokers as a whole, you know, are, are there to spot the things that don't make sense and to say it in a professional manner where like you're not offending somebody because people do take things personally. When they take them personally, they either opt out of selling the business to that particular person or they create an unreasonable hard line when they have a business listed for X, new information is provided, it should be Y. If you say it, if it comes from the buyer, as in like us, we're buying something, right. they're not going to want to hear it from us. They're going to think that we're just cutting them off at the knees or whatever. So I really think that that plays really well into what are the benefits of selling your business with a business broker. Well, of course, I agree with you. That broker can be the voice of reason, uh, particularly to a seller. Sellers, as you've correctly uh, stated, uh, Jeff, can be very emotional. Uh, sometimes they incorrectly see their business as their baby, their child. Yeah, yeah. I have to explain to them that a business is a, is a group of assets. Your baby, your child is home right now. Uh, that's your real baby child. The business is a, is a business. But we have sellers after 15, 20, 30 years, they, their value perception is, well, who's going to pay me for all that sweat, all the years that it took for me to, you know, get to this point. What about the years I didn't make any money? Who's going to reimburse me for the for all that time and effort? And and the answer is the scorecard on a business starts with the scorecard of the financials. You may have worked twenty solid years in your business, but at the end of the twenty years, if your business is not a viable business. It doesn't matter. The fact that you've got 20 right. years and of hard work right. doesn't mean it's that nothing. I'm arbitrarily going to assign $100,000 a year for 20 years yeah. not making any money. And really having a business is really, it's really unbelievable because when people have a job, most people, they have a job, you make your money. And then once your job is over, your job is over. The money is done. When you have a business... You actually, it's really unbelievable that you can have made money if you've run it correctly and done everything that you should do uh, for all those years. And then at the end, you can actually sell that business and get another bunch of money, whatever amount it is, because you've simply had a job just like everyone else. You're going to work just like everybody else. But at the end of that job, you're actually getting paid for the business that you were smart enough to purchase and nurture for all of those years. So you spent your time in your life doing something that usually is much more financially beneficial than people who just have a regular job. 
And they, people who have a regular job can't imagine at the end when they make their exit, you know, they retire or they make their exit for whatever reason. They don't get like a payday, whether it's a big payday, little payday, they get no payday. Well, we're speaking of paydays. I think this kind of brings me to my last question I want to ask Randy. And, you know, I've really just thought about this right now is, you know, what is a better investment, especially particularly we're in a certain economic position right now in the world. And, you know, a business is an investment. I think sometimes people don't realize that it is a investment. There is a tangible amount of money that you can get for your return for buying that business. And then there is another tangible return at the end. And I think that, you know, investing in yourself, investing in a business, finding a business, growing a business, you know, it's something that you actually have control of yourself. Having actually control of your own destiny is really a powerful thing. Putting money into the stock market, putting money into um, government bonds, government securities, you know, is risk. That is risk. You know, if you're going to risk something, why wouldn't you want to risk it on yourself and on a business to where you actually can have a better return than uh, an actual stock or a bond or something like that? You know why? Because people don't want the responsibility. Or they lack the self-confidence or the skill set. You're 100% correct. Yep. You mitigate risk by taking control. You take control by either owning or buying a business. It all falls under responsibility. I think like, you know, this is sort of a subset of what, of just the whole blanket of responsibility. And some people just don't, I cannot imagine not wanting to take control of it and wanting the responsibility, but there are, I mean, millions, tens of millions of people have regular jobs, hundreds of millions of people have regular jobs. They just don't want the responsibility. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I just can't personally imagine not wanting the responsibility. Well, you're you're an entrepreneur. We know that not everybody yeah. is, and thank goodness. I mean, we we need the the uh, the, the workers and and uh, the city employees. We need lots of people who aren't business owners. But for those who have a, a certain desire to control their own destiny to understand that you know they can wake up on a monday morning and decide this is the week where i'm going to make 20% more than i did last week yeah have that opportunity to proactively make a better business for themselves as opposed to perhaps just a typical 9 to 5 job i'm sure you hear from plenty of people well this is more than i bargained for i never imagined it would be this much work I never imagined that I would have to put forth this much effort. You mean from the buyers? Yeah. Buy a business? I suppose I, I have heard that. Usually by the time we get to buying the business, they've they've learned enough about the business. They understand that this is not a nine to five business. Although there are nine to five businesses, but yeah. in reality, as a business owner, a lot of times when people are playing you are either working or thinking about your business. And that's okay because Jeff, you've identified the the payday at the end of the, yeah. the journey. You are getting paid along the way. Uh, you're, perhaps your company is paying you a salary as an owner. Perhaps there are distributions, other benefits that maybe you're running through the business. But at some point, whether it's a few years down the road or a few decades down the road, you are going to exit that business. You're going to hire a good qualified business broker like myself. And uh, instead of getting the gold watch at retirement, as you would after 20 years working right. at 
you know, Stearns and Stearns and going, right, 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 right. Um, you're going to get a big payday. And that's and the ultimate exit. I think it's part of a business owner's responsibility that to along the way figure out if I do this, if I do this, if I do that, that's most likely what I'm going to get at the end. Because to sit there at the end and you haven't done any research, you haven't thought about the end at all, or one day if you want to sell, and to get offended at the end that, uh, or disappointed that, oh, I'm only going to get this amount of money. But the thing is, you didn't really prepare to set yourself up for that amazing payday at the end, which whatever you get is awesome. But to get the most you possibly can, it's something you know along the way, as we've learned, you need to figure out you know, what you're going to get by the moves that you make during your career. A trend that I've seen, Randy, and we talked about this on Andy's um, podcast also too, is like, you know, there's, there were entrepreneurs that were in the beginning stages of a lot of these businesses back from the seventies, eighties and nineties. And those people are now transitioning out. And what I've found is that these people really aren't entrepreneurs anymore at their exit time. They have lost their entrepreneurial spirit and through our business climate in South Florida in the landscaping, tree, pest control, uh, interior plant maintenance industry is that there really aren't entrepreneurs anymore, actually. There are business owners and there's people that are wanting to make money, but the real entrepreneurial spirit of creating and developing really is not, in our industry specifically, rich and alive. There are selective people that really still have it, but it really has come to a point of the beginning people were very excited, developed, created companies, and then they have halted. They stopped their growth. They're at a certain particular level. At this level, at this time period in their lives, they're ready to sell. And that's it. The new wave of people coming into it are really more looking for a job. So are you really finding that business buyers in all sorts of industries, are they really more entrepreneurs or business owners? that just want a job specifically, that they might have some entrepreneurial aspects or whatever, but they're really not looking to be business developers. It's both. But for me, it's much more exciting to be working with a buyer who is an entrepreneur and a grower of the business. Most buyers really are characterized by, in my, in my mind, two things. First, they want to buy a business where the risk doesn't appear to be that high. They want to buy something where the, uh, the downside is, is uh, relatively non-existent. So they want to minimize risk in an acquisition. But the best buyers want to buy a business with a good business model and they want to scale it up. They want to figure right. out what the owner is. Maybe the owner's just passive, just been, as you mentioned, just been running the business. And they want to be able to take advantage of that. And in what percentage of, would you say of buyers are of those two options? The majority, uh, certainly three quarters of our buyers are interested in growing a business. There's plenty that are just buying a job, but certainly the ones that I'm working with, they're entrepreneurs. They want to buy a business. Sometimes they'll want to buy multiple businesses like you, like perhaps like yourself, but. Has uh, that been a constant in your career? Would you say that ratio? Um, tough, to say. tough to say. For me, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not as interested in necessarily 
working with a buyer who's just looking to buy a job. For me, I've always been attracted, having been an entrepreneur, to the entrepreneurs. So if you're a buyer of a business and you're a builder of whatever business you might buy, that's more interesting to me. And so I may not be working with a fair sampling of the mindset of, of buyers out there. Most of my buyers are looking to build a business. And you're a perfect example. Randy, that's great. You should you know, ultimately develop the kind of business that you want to run. And everyone should too. You need to know who your customers are and who you want your customers to be. Because if you don't actually target that right person, you're not going to end up with the right kind of business that you actually want to be doing. You know, you've, you've done this, you've done your second career in your life and you're now doing it for 25 years, you said, and you're still doing it because you found the right people. If you found the wrong people, you probably would not be doing this. Oh, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, you, you know, many of the people that I'm working with right now, sellers and some buyers, I started talking to three, four, five years ago. Right. Some might have come back, come to me six, seven years ago. We looked at their business and it was clear they weren't ready to sell. They weren't making enough money or they had these issues. I continue to stay in touch with them. Yeah, relationships. Uh, yeah. A couple times a year. Or we'll check in. How are you doing? Did you do this? They'll take much of my advice. And from there, they will uh, circle back to me three, four, five, eight years down the road. And then we'll go to market at that point. Same thing with a buyer. Sometimes I'll get phone calls from people out of town or locally. They're employed. They're not quite ready to buy. I have no problems making that investment in my time. I'll talk to you. I'll meet with you. We'll talk about the process of buying a business and and how it works and what you might be interested in, even though I understand it's you're two years away from leaving your job. Yeah. Business. That's okay. That's an investment that I'm very willing to make. That's my pipeline of business, if you will. Well, Randy, we appreciate you joining us today on the Cultivating Success podcast. We definitely want our audience to know where they can connect with you. You're an unbelievable resource here in South Florida. And you obviously have a network of people throughout the world that can help people with purchasing, selling a business. So I'd love for them to be able to get in touch with you. It'd be my pleasure. My cell is the best way to reach me directly. It's 561-809-1500. But an email is always great and it couldn't be easier. Randy at tworld.com. That's Randy at T for Tom, W-O-R-L-D dot com. An easy and phone number and an easy email. Yeah, well, yeah. when you're in the business, close yeah. to the beginning of the business, you get making the, it easy. You, you get the easier phone numbers yeah. and the easier emails. You guys are always a pleasure. We go back many, many years. I congratulate you on, on all of your successes. Um, it's been a privilege working with both of you. Um, particularly in, in dealing with the dynamics of, of the two of you as brothers. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun and you continue to be very, very successful. And of course, I wish you uh, continued success in the continuing to grow the brand that is nature's experts. Thank Randy, you, Randy. We, we appreciate your partnership. And I think that we're equally as lucky actually too, to have gotten where we've gotten is really, you know, partially contributed to you. You know, we're certainly full of yep, for sure. energy and smarts and all that stuff. 
but you know, you can't do it all by yourself and you have to have partners, you know, accounting, business brokers, other smart people to connect yourself with. You know, you are part of our circle and, you know, who you surround yourself with is really important. And Randy is one of those people that we surround ourselves with to gain more knowledge about the industry, the direction, opportunities that come up. You know, Randy calls us just, you know, when he gets opportunities as well. I appreciate that, Jonathan. And, and of course, I'm humbled to be given any credit at all for your success. But uh, thank you very, very much. And, and thanks for inviting me here today. It was a lot of fun. And here's to the next business. That's right. We're looking, man. <laughs> Randy, thanks again. Have a great day. Bye, Randy. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Jonathan. And you also. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.